Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, hello, amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I have such an exciting person today, someone who is super influential here in Los Angeles, and I get to interview her, and amigas, you're going to adore her. She happens to be the president and CEO of the Los Angeles Area Chamber of Commerce. So who is this person? Is Maria S. Salinas. And she's the president of the largest business association in Los Angeles County. Los Angeles County representing member companies and serving the interests of more than 235,000 businesses across the Los Angeles region. Ms. Salinas took the helm of the organization in August of 2018 and became the first woman and Latina to lead the chamber in its 132-year history. An accomplished businesswoman, entrepreneur, and a determined community leader, Ms. Salinas business acumen and financial expertise provides her with the right experience to lead the LA area chamber. Miss Salinas, a steward of the chamber's new vision, a thriving region for all, has imagined the role of the chamber. The chamber looks to the future with a vision to build an inclusive economy and lead in three pillar areas of focus, advocacy work, global engagement, and through community collaboration for economic growth and mobility. The Los Angeles region, which is the 14th largest economy in the world, and the chamber membership represents a broad spectrum of industries, small businesses, corporations, academic institutions, and nonprofits which are all examples that the LA economy is diverse, dynamic, and that business is a force for good. Ms. Salinas is an appointee to Governor 
Gavin Newsom's commission on the future of work and named to his business and jobs recovery task force. She was appointed to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Committee of 100, a distinction reserved for the top 100 chambers across the country. She represents the Los Angeles business community in statewide policy initiatives with the Coalition of Regional Economic Association Leaders. She's a member of the Board of Directors of Mobility 21, a regional transportation effort, and an appointee of Mayor Eric Garcetti to the MEX-LA Commission, a foreign policy initiative between Mexico and Los Angeles. She serves on the board of directors of the Music Center, Pacific Council, Unidos U.S., and Southern California Leadership Network, among others. Oh, my goodness. This proud woman lives in Pasadena, California with her husband and four sons. I cannot. I'm so over the moon with this guest, and I know you will, too. So without further ado, this is Maria Salinas. Amiga, oh my God, welcome, 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 Maria Salinas. How are you? Thank you so much for being here. I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to be here with you. You know, you're a trailblazer yourself and just uh, bringing these stories. And I'm just so happy to participate and just really honored that uh, you would pick me to do this. So thank Um, you. Oh my God, the honor is all mine. Okay. The first thing I like to know, and I know amigas always love the fact that I give them like perspective because we are not who we are today, who we were born, you know, because a lot of us come from different types of families. And, you know, in order for us to understand you, who you are, the woman today, we need to go back to where you were born and who your family is. Right. That is such a great question. I'm glad you're starting that way because, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people, I have to remind them, like, I didn't start out here at the top. You know, I have a long professional career of, you know, almost 35 years in the profession, not all in the chamber world, but definitely in the business world. But before I got there, you know, I am, you know, the daughter of immigrants that came to this country just looking for a better life for their family. My mom and dad came from Mexico, from Jalisco. When uh, they married, they moved here to Los Angeles because they thought, you know, this would be the great place to build uh, build a home, create a family. And I'm sure like many parents who come here with that idealism of, you know, what, what the United States could offer. And I, as I, over the years, as I've spoken to my parents as an adult, you know, just hearing that spirit of, you know, just wanting a better life, you know, is really great. You know, my mother, her mother raised her as a single, single mom, of like six children. And so you could imagine how hard that was for them growing up and really providing for the family. And so they all worked at just a very young age and it was just work, work, work. And when they came here to Los Angeles, I remember my grandmother, my aunts working in the garment district. And sometimes when I was in school and I'd have a free day, I wanted to go to work with them and they would take me. 
And I remember going to those old buildings downtown. Now they're lofts, these beautiful lofts. But back then there were these old buildings and I couldn't believe the conditions that they worked in, just stacked upon each other. They both worked in um, for a sewing manufacturer, just seeing the, the filth of where they worked and the conditions that they worked in just really got me even as a very young age. Now, I remember thinking, wow, you know, they work from the crack of dawn till like the end of day. And this, this is their job, you know, so much that they put up with. My father, again, came to this country. He uh, has a third grade, fourth grade education in Mexico, uh, but came here with a lot of determination, hard work ethic. And he did everything. And his profession is actually doing car upholstery work. And uh, when he came here, he'd work in garages, he'd repair cars in the upholstery work related to them. And uh, during the summer, he would take me with him and I'd help there in the little office in the garage to just kind of, you know, do uh, filing. I thought I was being like a secretary, but I, I was like, filing little documents for him, creating file labels and things like that. I must've been like 12 or 13 years old. And one day I went with him, they had to drop off the papers uh, to the accountant. And I, that I always speak of this day because it was the one time that I walked into an office, like where somebody worked on the inside of a building in an office setting. And that struck me because, you know, my family, uh, while they were working in in either a factory or in the garage and, and my other aunts worked in the fields, I never knew anyone in my family that had a professional career of any kind. And, you know, coming to this country, you know, being the oldest in my family, I have three younger brothers. Um, even though my parents didn't know about the educational system, they just kept saying that tienes que educar. You have to educate yourself. You have to work hard and get an education. And even as I was doing that, and my parents, you know, it was so difficult for them to help navigate that process, that education system. When it came time to go to college, uh, they were the one, the first ones that said, "Yes, you have to go and get educated." But you can't go to that university. It's too far away. It's 30 miles away. (laughs) I'm a graduate of Loyola Marymount University. I grew up on Northeast LA, which is in in the Lincoln Heights, Highland Park area. But going across town to the west side was just a foreign territory for my parents. And I couldn't go my first year because it was too far. And I uh, ended up going to school locally, you know, which turned out to be a great experience as well. But it was a whole year before my parents realized, oh, wait a minute, there is a differences in universities. And it was through the help of a friend where my father finally said, you know, I think you should go. <laughs> that school, that's so far away. Right. right. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so I've had those experiences growing up that, you know, being the first gen student, being the first professional in the family, being the the one that helped interpret for my parents in fourth and fifth grade. And, and I've also, but I've also seen what they endured, the pain and the suffering that they endured by, you know, maybe institutions or people that were not 
welcoming or open for someone that didn't speak English or that wasn't from this country, the discrimination that they face, the name calling. So I I grew up with all of that. And I think by the time that I got to the workforce, it was very much as part of my DNA to embrace the people, the, the immigrant community of Los Angeles, and just really believing, believing that they had so much to contribute because just like my parents had worked hard and given back. Absolutely. My goodness. I think that your journey, your educational journey is, is kind of like mine. Cause I actually worked with my family. They were little, you know, at that time they were on, entre- I mean, they're still entrepreneurs, but you know, we were working for the businesses. So I remember as a little girl, going to my own restaurant in Orange County, which is the one of the first restaurants that my parents bought. And I remember like as a little girl, six years old, cleaning tables, you know, yeah. I've been working since I was a little girl, but that's what yeah. you do. You help the family and you get exposed to working conditions. And um, you got exposed to the working conditions in these um, factories. I mean, now looking at it, through these lens, I'm sure it is very different now. Absolutely. And even when I think of my experiences growing up, I, I mean, I grew up in a very traditional Latino household. You know, my parents loved that I was, you know, a good student and all of that, but definitely, you know, I wouldn't be able to go out on my own or, or things of that nature, right? And so a lot of it was really you know, even understanding American culture and kind of, you know, being the young Latina that oftentimes didn't get to go to certain events or activities because it was just not something that we did in my home. And then, you know, growing up also with the deference, you know, growing up with deference to the elders in the family or just, you know, quietly waiting your turn because that's what we all did in a Latino household, especially for the women. That's what my mother did, my grandmother. So growing up like that, for me, you know, going into the workforce also meant how do I unlearn some of those habits? Because while they have been good, you know, traditional values that I have, sometimes that doesn't quite translate into the business world. And especially entering a field Uh, in the finance field where I was, you know, uh, back in the day, one of a handful of women, uh, not a whole lot of women in the organization. I was in a professional accounting services firm. And definitely, I don't know that I ever met a Latina in my field for maybe the first five years, six years or so. That was a head that I could look to and say, I want to be like her. Um, and, uh, and those things matter. Being able to see, you know, what a future could look like, those things matter. We talk about it today with kids, you know, to see the young girls, to see themselves in science fields, to see themselves in, you know, all sorts of different non-traditional areas that um, we know those are very important and that they matter. Absolutely. They definitely matter. And you're absolutely correct in terms of like, you know, we grew up with this deference and like, you know, it like this respect. And yes, obviously we, we should and we ought to respect our elders. But, you know, if there were circumstances where you're like, 
that doesn't seem right. You kind of had to bite your tongue. And in today's society, I mean, it's not the same. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember once uh, being in a business meeting and, you know, I remember, and this was already further along in my career. So I re- had already been in business for about 20 years or so. And remember walking into the business, into the meeting and hearing this conversation, but it just seemed like it was a really fast conversation about we should do this, we should do that. And when I stepped away, I went to the executive and I asked him, I said, you know, is this, um, <laughs> is this, you want my contributions here? And he very like, without a doubt, just said, that's why you're here so that you can contribute to that. And, you know, it almost had to hit me like, yes, of course, that's why I'm here. Why am I even asking that question? But, but I think that for somebody like me, it took me a long time to get comfortable with my own voice and to say, okay, stop that, Maria. <laughs> You're just as good. You belong in that room. You have good ideas and you can share them. So if you're going to take that seat, make sure that you're sharing your voice and that you are participating in that. So, you know, for me, when we talk about being in the room and making sure that we're in the room, I'm always quick to say and take it one step further, make sure your voice is being heard in the room. Don't just take up the seat. Right. Don't just take up the seat and space. Make your voice heard. I completely know what you're talking about. I know that um, I had a situation when I was attending USC. And, you know, back then you didn't see Latinos. Like you didn't see that many brown people. (laughs) And to even raise my hand, I mean, I was sweating bullets to do that. And it didn't take, I mean, it, Obviously, it took a long time for me to get to where I'm at right now. Right now, I have, I'm very comfortable speaking. I speak my mind, but it took a long time. And this is the thing, amigas. We as mentors can like have these amazing conversations so that our little amigas get to realize that their voices must be heard and that we do have value and that we can do it here in America. Absolutely. And in any time I am given the opportunity to participate in like mentor programs, because I I have a student right now at UCLA. I have another student that is at Berkeley through various programs. Like I will never say no to those opportunities because I just really believe that, you know, you always hear like, what would you tell your 20 year old self? Well, there's a lot of 20-year-olds out here today who are very much experiencing what I did at at a 20-year-old. Self-doubt, self, you know, am I worth? What is my worth? Do I belong here? And I just, you know, love telling them, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Get over it. And it takes courage, but courage is free. And you can, you know, just be the person that you are. Do not question yourself. And, you know, one Latina at a time, I'm good with that. Oh, I love <laughs> that. One, Lat- one Latina, two Latinas, three Latinas, four, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yes, courage is free. I love what you said about that because it really had to take a lot of courage for you to step into your role as the president and CEO 
of this amazing, amazing LA area chamber of commerce. So tell us because that's, that's huge. So let me tell you about that because even while I've had an amazing career, you know, moving from professional services, I worked with a, with the Walt Disney company for many years at, in management roles and took on a lot of really great responsibility. And again, I was always through that entire career, like, you know, do I really belong here? Do they know that it's me and I'm, <laughs> I'm here? Always that self-doubt. And when I left um, the workforce to, to raise my children, I started my consulting business. And that's when it really hit me that, look, okay, it stops with me because I'm heading up this organization. I'm h- hiring people. I ended up having the opportunity to be a founding organizer for a community bank did that for almost 10 years. I became chairwoman of that bank. And even when I got elected to become chairwoman, even though I had the most experience on the board and had done all these, you know, had served on many of the committees, had worked with our shareholders, the regulators, had had just a great body of work. When it came to deciding who the next chairwoman would be, I was the first one to say, okay, which one of you guys are going to do it? I never thought it would be me. And it, when we went into that meeting, within the first 10 minutes, it was like, I nominate Maria to be the next chairwoman. And then someone said, I second that. And it, and it was done that quickly. I had never thought of myself for that role. I went into that meeting thinking about everybody else in that board And I remember talking to one of our lead directors after that, and it was almost like he was trying to convince me, like, why wouldn't you have thought of yourself? You're the one that chaired this. You're the one that led this initiative. You're the one that was the, you know, face on this program. I mean, he went through it in such specificity that I kind of like, you know, said, why (laughs) why didn't I think of myself, right? right? And again, it goes back to that, experience of always questioning ourselves. You know, sometimes we're our own biggest barriers. <laughs> yes. yes. So I think that really taught me a lesson that I just needed to cut that out. You know, that I really needed to stand firm on the foundation that I had built, that I needed to recognize my worth and that, you know, not let it hold, hold me back. So three years later, when the chamber opportunity came up and I had a meeting about that, again, that first meeting, I was just completely exploratory, but when it led to a second meeting, that's when I thought, oh, there might be something here. You know, when I think of Los Angeles, I think of this community, I think of how I grew up as the daughter of immigrants and how this, this economy is of immigrants that really drive Los Los Angeles. I felt that I had a real connection to this region, to Los Angeles. And that was the first time that I went for it and just thought, I'm the person for this role. That's right. (laughs) So as I went through that search process and I did all the various interviews, there was no doubt in my sharing of who I was that this role was something I could do you know, and I can do it, you know, very well. And having that confidence is what I think catapulted me into the role. 
And I lead with that confidence because I'm a believer that um, that I can do it. And it's okay to say that I can do it. Yes, (laughs) yes, you can. And that's the thing. I think we always like at least I know for my and other Latinas, we we get tripped up. We get that imposter syndrome. Like, really? Yeah. Me? (laughs) Me, the immigrant daughter? Like, and, and, and it is, yes, why not you? Right. Yeah. And, and so now, um, when I, when I carry out my work, it's almost like being in the driver's seat in how, in my outlook. So this is what I mean. Um, I'm very attuned when, uh, speak people speak past me because <laughs> it still happens. You know, I still walk into rooms where I might be one of a, you know, handful of women, you know, that still exists. There are still areas where we need to bring more cultural competency to the conversations that we are having. We need to recognize that there's a diversity of people and not just one you know, set of group that we're, we're a very rich community because of that diversity. And, you know, so I pick up on those things and I pick up on things that I know I need to sometimes maybe remind others that no, 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 (laughs) we got to be reflective of our region and whether it's a small committee we're, we're trying to form or whether it's how we want, you know, our board to look. You know, it's we have to reflect the Los Angeles region. And that's very important if we're going to say that we represent the region. Absolutely. And especially here in Los Angeles, I mean, we're a melting pot. Yes. We have we have all every culture. I mean, I that's what I believe. Like we have yes, every we culture here. <laughs> See, you know, you know the statistics. We we <laughs> do. And and it, it's an international city. So while we're, uh, you know, have a diversity of people, there's no doubt that this is a global city. We have over 100 consulates that are based here in Los Angeles, which is just shy of how many are in New York and in in Washington, D.C. So there's people from all around the globe that are residents here in Los Angeles. And I think that's a really exciting part of the city. Oh, absolutely. And how exciting to be the first woman president of this Chamber of Commerce. I mean, really, I commend you for that because, I mean, it was like, what, 134 years or something like that? Yes, 132 years, I believe. Oh, my God. Do you sometimes pinch yourself like, (laughs) you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, wow, really? (laughs) Did I do that? It is a tremendous amount of responsibility because I believe that the LA Chamber is, it's, it's, yes, it's a business advocacy organization, but I believe that the Chamber is more than that. Our vision is a thriving region for all. And I think that is really speaks to the heart and soul of the LA Chamber, that we know that, yes, we need strong business, but we also need strong communities. And we need communities that can thrive and that they can, you know, have good housing and transportation and education systems. And that only through us 
being part of one collective ecosystem, can we make life better for all? And um, I'm really proud of the fact that that's, that's our North Star, right? That's a vision that we can keep in mind. And, and I work with a great team at the chamber that I love the way they do their work because they're so passionate and they always remember, okay, it's a thriving region for all. So if I'm working on workforce or if I'm working on, you know, environmental sustainability or technology issues, whatever it is, do we have access? Do we have barriers that we need to overcome? How do we make sure that everyone can participate in an economy that is growing? Because we will grow out of this pandemic. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt about that. And what a leader you are to lead the way. I'm really seriously, I'm truly honored. You know, I love what you're saying, thriving vision for all. Mm -hmm. So what do you see next happening for, for the chamber? Well, I think definitely next up is, you know, how do we get get beyond the pandemic, right? You know, we're starting to open up. We're starting to see the relaxing of rules and, and regulations, masking, however, however you look at that. And there's a really a, a great ability for us to emerge stronger than before. You, you always hear things like that. We want to be better than before. And I think that's so true. There's a lot of truth to that. When you think of the investment that the federal government has made into society, I'm just going to say society because billions of dollars that have come in for economic relief, for infrastructure, for so many things that impact our daily lives. Are we going to be responsible enough to take those dollars and make sure that it's a transformative future? Mm -hmm. That I think is a really important question. And so you need organizations like the LA Chamber of Commerce to be there and saying, okay, how are we using these funds? How are we making sure that that we're growing an inclusive economy? How do we make sure that we're not leaving anybody out, that we can have maximum participation in the workforce from individuals that may be marginalized? And it really goes deep in terms of the things that we see in, you know, walking across the street anywhere. You know, right now in Los Angeles, homelessness is a huge issue. You know, how are we going to make transformative decisions with the resources that have been allocated to those efforts? So lots of important things for us to address. We look at 2028 when Los Angeles is going to host the Olympics and the Paralympics. And, you know, we've got to be a shiny city, but not a shiny city because we just put everything under the rug. A shiny city because we're real collaborators, that we're truly a region that that is thriving for everyone. Oh, yes. I love that. I can't wait for this 2028 to happen. (laughs) I mean, I'm already seeing, you know, the changes, the airport I live. I I actually live really near near Loyola. So when Mm -hmm. you're saying that you you went to Loyola, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's up the street. Uh, And, you know, LAX, the changes, changes that are happening. It's incredible. Uh, all of that, the infrastructure, so things like the airport, things that um, the uh, transit systems that are being built and, and put in place, um, a lot to address infrastructure needs. I, I think that's the lens we need to all have, whether you're 
an academic institution, whether you're, you know, a small business, a startup, if you're here in Los Angeles, how do we want to shine in 2028? And how do we want to use that as a pivotal moment for the legacy that's going to be live on even beyond, you know, the Olympics, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. my God. I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I'm glad that you are, you are like at the forefront of this happening. So, and so incredible that you're here with us at Amiga Handle Your Shit to tell us all about this information, the amazing work that you're doing, your vision that it's a thriving vision for all, not just a few, for everyone here in LA. And I love that. You know, as we're getting here at the tail end of our conversation, I always ask my Amigas if they could provide one or two tips on how she can handle her shit. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought about this one because I think you can't sweat the small stuff. Mm, yeah. You know, I know that that sounds so like basic and simple, but in the role that I have today, that I have a lot coming at me and, uh, you know, makes for long days, makes for intense conversations and it, you really have to, to really lead through all the noise. You know, I'd say stay focused. You know what your vision is, what your mission is. Stay focused on that and don't get distracted with the noise. Don't get distracted with the small stuff. Because if I pull back and start focusing on, oh, you know, someone felt bad or dealing with something that is not you know, on point with what my core work duties are, I'll be all over the place. I'll be distracted. I'll be unfocused. And so it's, it's don't sweat the small stuff, but it's also stay focused on your plan, you know, and if you don't have a plan, get a plan, put the plan together. That's easy to do. You know, where's your passion? Where do you want to lean in, you know, in professionally, personally, you know, it's not hard to put together your plan to be just a high level vision of where you see yourself. Right. right. Oh my God. I love this. You know, focus on your plan and don't sweat the small stuff. There's simple, yeah. but powerful. You know, if we put that in the forefront, I mean, anything can happen. You can become the next president, you yeah. know, it's like, right. Yeah. I mean, amigas, anything can happen. And you're hearing it here at Amiga Handle Your Shit because I want to uh, spread this news to the whole world that we can, si se puede, you know, it, it's so true, si se puede, whether we're, you know, kids of immigrants or not, you can. Yeah, you know, this past week, I was asked if I would be a judge reading applications for a scholarship for high school students. And I had 10 applications, probably eight of them were just like, wow, these amazing high school students. I'm like, I didn't do half that stuff. There was one application, Latina, that caught my attention. Wasn't real sophisticated, didn't have a lot of extracurriculars because she helped her mother at home and helped with her younger siblings. But yet what came through was just her passion of wanting to help others. And we looked at that application and the letter of recommendation from her teacher said, I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her that she believed in herself in doing this. And as we reviewed it, I looked at everybody and said, because everybody was like, she has potential. 
right? And I thought, well, that's great that we recognize, but guys, this is me. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> yeah. You know, wasn't polished, wasn't completely polished, you know, didn't have a broad vocabulary and expressing themselves, not a lot there. So when I think of my journey and I think of, you know, the steps of growth that I have gone through, you know, I always tell others, if I can do it, you can do it. You know, there is, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes we think it, things are far-fetched. Yeah. And it's yeah. not. Yeah. You know, it's not. And amigas, here we are. I'm here speaking to LA Area Chamber of Commerce president. Come on. Like, I, like who knew that would happen? But, <laughs> but, it, but if you dream it and believe it, you can achieve it. Yes. And, and, uh, and, oh my God, Maria, you were on my mind for a long time. And I'm just so honored and grateful that you're here today and sharing this message with us. And this is going to get a lot of hits. <laughs> That's what I know. Well, thank I you know. for having me. I mean, I really think that I grow uh, every time I have these conversations. And thank you for to you for putting this in front of me because, you know, it's so wonderful to be able to have these conversations and just, you know, share a little bit of insight into, you know, uh, don't let anything stand in your way. If, if, if I could do it, if I could get to this point, believe me, it's, it's achievable for anyone. Oh, I love that. Well, with that in mind, thank you so much for being here at Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.